Welcome to another fascinating edition of Viewpoint This Sunday. Standing in for Malcolm Out Loud, I'm Dr. Ron Martinelli, forensic criminologist, death investigator, and law enforcement forensic analyst. Going to bring to you today a series of perspectives regarding such things as Elon Musk's purchase of major stock in Twitter. I want to talk about the genius of Musk and social media as a moving force, not only in the United States of America, but internationally. Then I want to move to the state of law enforcement in the United States and adverse influences such as Black Lives Matter, woke politicians, the progressive left, and a complicit media in spewing continuously the false narratives that remove credibility from the law enforcement community in the eyes of Americans and has totally changed the face of American society with respect to crime and violence and recidivism in some rural areas and in some urban areas, literally making American hostages in their own homes. And I want to talk about inflation and Biden's burned down better policies that are destroying America. These stories and more. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Well, let's get started. Well, you know, this week after criticizing Twitter for muzzling free speech, Mega billionaire Elon Musk, who's reported to be the world's richest man, paid out $39 billion to acquire 73.1 million shares of the social media giant. Musk now owns 9.2% of Twitter. And you know what? That makes him the largest single shareholder of that platform. Here's what's kind of interesting about this. Within 24 hours of reports that Musk had became the major shareholder in Twitter, the stocks for that company shot up 27%, earning Elon Musk a $1 billion return on his investment. Now, not too bad for 24 hours. Now, the stock has gone up and down a little bit during this past week, but Elon Musk is definitely still in the black. Now, unless you've been living in a cave or under a rock for the past few years, most Americans know Elon Musk as a couple of things. Contrary to what the left might say, Elon Musk is not a conservative. He's not even a Republican. What he is is a libertarian. And he's also the creator and CEO of the electric vehicle manufacturer, a giant mover called Tesla, and then also in the space industry, with SpaceX. Now, I've gone back over a lot of interviews with Elon Musk because I find him to be a fascinating character. And way back when he graduated from high school, I found an interview where he was asked, 
what do you think your goals are going to be for your future life as you grow up? And he says, you know what? I want to impact three things. Number one, I want to find out a way to make a fuel efficient vehicle. Number two, I want to have something to do with energy production. And number three, I want to have something to do with space exploration. And so here we go. We've got him as the creator and as the CEO and owner of Tesla and also SpaceX. Now, if you've been paying attention, NASA hasn't been doing all that well. And because of some prior mistakes with previous administrations, NASA was defunded. So we don't have our own space shuttle anymore. It's sort of looking back in development, but we can't even get our own astronauts up into the International Space Station. That's how bad it's become where we actually have had over the years to depend on our adversary, Russia, to get our astronauts up into the station and back. So how's that working for us right now, now that Russia has invaded the Ukraine and sort of threatened us with, how do you think your astronaut's going to get back to Earth? Well, that got resolved just this last week when our astronaut did return. But I don't think we're going to be using Russia anytime in the future to get anybody back up into space. Anyway, a little bit of a context about Elon Musk. So before buying his major interest in Twitter, Musk, who has a Twitter account himself, he runs a poll to 80 million followers, asking them whether they thought Twitter was practicing free speech. And out of those 80 million, those people that responded overwhelmingly with 70% said, no, we don't think that's happening. So he goes and buys the major share as a single person. Now, there's other corporations we're going to talk about that, that have you know, more and a little bit less than Musk. But as an individual, he is the highest shareholder right now. So you know, obviously seeing the lopsided results of a poll in which 80 million Twitter account holders said that Twitter was not doing a good job and was actually stifling free speech. Twitter's CEO, a guy I'm not a fan of, and I'm probably going to butcher his name, but his name is Parag Agrawal. He offers Musk a place on the board of directors. So during this past week, there's been negotiations between Elon Musk the CEO, and various members of the board of directors. And, you know, I mean, if I was a fly on the wall, I would sort of speculate about what's happening or what did happen during those board meetings. Musk is trying to figure out ways to make the social media platform more resonant towards freedom of speech. Now, I don't think he's trying to get rid of necessarily the cancel culture people that are throughout Twitter and other big tech social media platforms, but he simply wants everyone to be able to enjoy civil discourse of opposing views on that platform. I think, I think that's all he wants to do. And so during the course of these negotiations, I think two things got in the way where Musk changed his mind. Number one, 
there was a restriction that if he got on the board of directors, he couldn't buy any more than 15% of Twitter. And it's not a lot to a guy like Musk, who's a mega billionaire. The other thing, more importantly, I think in his conversations with the CEO and the various board members, I think they were pretty woke and Musk turned it down. And the key sentence that I read when he was interviewed and when he he put it out on Twitter on his own account is he said, I do not believe that this model in stifling free speech, and those are my words, the model in stifling free speech, he simply said, the model is not going to work where I believe the corporation will be successful moving forward. And I think that's critical. Here's a guy that invested $39 billion in a social media platform. And he's thinking, where is this platform going to go in the future? Is this going to be good for my investment? That's just my speculation. But you know what? I read another interview of him just the other day where he was asked about his investment. And he said, you know what? The economics really don't matter to me. And I, I just like, what? The, you spent $39 billion on a corporation, on a social media platform, and all of a sudden you've got buyer's remorse? This guy is so rich and so altruistic that he believes that the economics don't really matter to him. But you know what? There's a genius behind that. Let's go back into Twitter and talk about their model and their philosophy. So, you know, Twitter has repeatedly gone on record stating that as a standard practice, it flags what it perceives to be misinformation, abuse, offensive and insightful content. For instance, Twitter, as we all remember, at least some of us should, suspended the account of former president of the United States, Donald Trump. Now they were allowed all this bad mouthing to go on while Trump was in office. And of course, everybody was was doing that. Everybody on the progressive left and the mainstream media taking their shots at the former president of the United States. But the kicker was when they actually permanently suspended his account is when Trump talked about the people on January 6th who stormed the Capitol and he called them, according to their words, patriots. And they said, you know what? That's enough. You're done. By the way, Google's uh, account, YouTube, also canned President Trump's account. But now that Musk is a major shareholder, those Trump supporters are urging Twitter to reconsider President Trump's permanent restriction from the social media site. So you know what? Here's my personal takeaway from Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. You know, I think that Musk's purchase of major share is pure genius. However, I want to point out that there are good and there are serious dangers to Americans and other democratic nations when it comes to these mega social media platforms, because I see them as the moving force of influence, both politically and economically. And we have to watch out about this because 
I mean, if you think about what's going on in the United States of America, and, and my wife and I, we travel internationally. So we go to a lot of other countries. We talk with a lot of people. We watch their media. We see how news stories are portrayed and things like that. And what we find is that in our own country and in other countries in the free world, basically our people are pretty dumbed down. And they're dumbed down by systematically by our educational system and our left-leaning, you know, electronic media. People have become so indoctrinated by false narratives and propaganda that that permeate our electronic platforms. You know what? Today we have a 24/7 news cycle, and people have just become accustomed to the 15 to 30 second sound bites, and that's why social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook, and I think Facebook also owns Instagram and TikTok, LinkedIn, Google's uh, YouTube, are all so successful. But that's also why people on the progressive left and Marxists and organizations like Black Lives Matter and even international terrorist organizations like ISIS use these platforms to spout out their misleading, false, offensive, you know, violent and cancel culture rhetoric. And that's also why an extremely small segment of the invisible cancel culture influencers and so-called hired uh, fact checkers by social media platforms like Twitter thrive in this environment where they can block or they can negate or they can remove posts and remove entire accounts by others who post opposing views. And I'm sure that a lot of you have had this happen because I know it's happened to me. Now, I don't have a Twitter account because the platform and its contents have never resonated with me. But my wife has an account and she constantly fills me in about all the offensive and violent rhetoric that the cancel culture, uh, when they speak out against other people that have opposing views and accounts on Twitter. But as a business professional, I do have a LinkedIn account. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm dropping that account next week. So let me tell you a, story, a short story about LinkedIn and you'll kind of understand why well, I'm leaving a platform. You know, while LinkedIn began as a social media platform for professionals and businesses and corporations like, like myself and, and, and one that I own, uh, it sort of evolved into sort of a Facebook-like place. So what happened with me is that, and I've been with LinkedIn since, since 2009, I had about 7,900 uh, contacts and followers on LinkedIn. I only post professionally. I don't post politically. And what I like to do, because I belong to over 40 law enforcement, forensic and medical uh, organizations, and I like to post forensic analysis uh, post case. In other words, case has already been over. It's already been adjudicated. And I like to post about the real facts and forensic evidence that are vetted about those different cases. And people in, that follow me love to hear the real inside story. Well, what happened one day is that when I got on LinkedIn, there was a notice in my account and it said, guess what? We're restricting your account. And I'm trying to figure out why they restrict my account. And I take a look at it and there's no reason. And so they said, well, you can appeal this. I go ahead and I appeal what happened and I can't get anything but a bunch of psycho uh, techno babble back from them and I get in the continuous electronic techno babble loop and never got anything accomplished. 
ended up finally reaching some tech people and they just sort of speculated. Everybody's kind of being kind of quiet with me and they get, they speculate. So, well, I think one of our algorithms probably saw something in, in one of your posts and they didn't like it in the algorithm, not a real human being, you know, put a stop on your account. Well, I got them to fix the account, but guess what? The next day, 7,900 people disappeared. 42 organizations I belonged to disappeared. Didn't even exist anymore. Kind of like the movie Erasure. It's one of the problems that we have. And it's taken an entire year for me to try to build up that, but I'm done with it. And so I'm going to leave, which is probably what the people on the progressive left want me to do. But here's, here's where I'm going. You know, it's not unusual for social media communication platforms these days to deny us our freedom of speech. You know, and it's not only, you know, Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube and, and these big tech giants, but it's also that we see cancel culture popping up increasingly in corporate America. If you get a great example, I've written a very popular best-selling book on Amazon called The Truth Behind the Black Lives Matter and the War on Police. And it's in its seventh printing, and we've sold thousands of these books. And when Jeff Bezos came on and publicly and financially supported Black Lives Matter, all of a sudden, my book disappeared from the bookshelves on Amazon. Now, if you looked on Amazon, it was still there. If you Google Dr. Ron Martinelli and you go on and, and see books that I've written, you will see that that book is on Amazon. But if you try to buy it, it says the book's unavailable. Well, of course that book is available. Of course it is because we sell thousands of them. So that's just Amazon's way of getting rid of Dr. Ron Martinelli and other common sense conservative authors like myself. I want to tell you more about this story as we move on right after this. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. In today's world, there's no escaping the headlines filled with warnings about emerging viruses and dangerous superbugs. Genesis is the only technology that safely and effectively obliterates harmful pathogens both on the air and on surfaces. Genesis plus HOCL neutralize these threats to your environment in just seconds. Find out more about this amazing technology at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a 15% discount. With Genesis, you'll be prepared for what's next. Is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So why are you still taking vitamins that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if your vitamins aren't hard to swallow, it's time to upgrade to Healthy Cells pill-free, patent-pending microgel supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. They taste great, convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, -L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. 
back with Viewpoint this Sunday. And I'm your host this week, Dr. Ron Martinelli, forensic criminologist and death investigator. You know, when I left off, I was telling you a little story about Jeff Bezos on Amazon canceling Dr. Ron's popular book, The Truth Behind the Black Lives Matter and the War on Police. Like I said, you could still pick up that book, but but the story behind it is more important. And that is, this is another big tech corporate distributor canceling someone like me, but hundreds of other moderate, common sense conservative and Republican authors. But with this phenomena, there's also good that comes with this. So with respect to distributors and social media platforms, others have risen in place. So from a lot of the things that have happened with Twitter and Facebook, up has risen uh, social media platforms such as Parler and Rumble, and now the new Donald Trump social media platform called Truth Social. And as a matter of fact, on Truth Social, there were so many people that wanted to get an account on that. And even though I got in there right at the beginning, (laughs) within 24 hours, I was notified that I was number 447,000th to get on the platform. But you can get on there and you can find me. I haven't posted anything yet, but you can find me at Dr. Ron Crime on Truth to Social Media. But anyway, so what happened here? What's the disconnect? You know, why are they canceling me, but they're not canceling all the other authors? As a matter of fact, you can get books about ISIS. You can get other books about Black Lives Matter. You can get books about Marxism. You can get books about white supremacy. I think what happened, and I'm only speculating here, but I think my book, which was, by the way, non-political and non-opinionated, I think it conflicted with Mr. Bezos, but that's just my speculation. So let's talk a little bit deeper about really what's going on. Americans and those from other democratic nations need to understand the vast majority of social media and electronic news platforms, there's only really one view, and that's the view that the liberal, rich, and elite corporation oligarchs want you to hear. And it's their implicitly biased take Let me give you a great example. President Trump gets canceled. Conservative talk show host on Fox uh, Nation, Dan Bongino, a former law enforcement officer, he gets canceled. And so who's on those platforms? They cancel those two fellows from Twitter. But guess who's on Twitter? (laughs) Vladimir Putin. Mr. Genocide and War Crimes is there. Okay. How about the Ayatollah Khomeini? who has recently called for the destruction of Israel. By the way, that's called genocide. And then even the international terrorist organization, ISIS, they have platforms on Twitter and some other social media platforms. It's utter hypocrisy. And it's amazing because what's amazing to me is that we tolerate that as Americans. And so why do we do that? Here's the other side of the coin, because in America, we have something that's rarely practiced today in in these woke social media platforms and in corporate America, and it happens to be called the First Amendment, freedom of speech. So what is denied on Twitter is allowed for other people. 
Okay. So you know what? As Jen Psaki is famed to say, let's circle back and discuss the corporate and global politics of Musk's recent acquisition of Twitter. And here's some things that some people probably don't know. And this is why I think that Elon Musk is a sheer genius. Twitter lacks many of the legal protections that activists and other high-tech profile companies have. So unlike you know, places like Google and Facebook, which have what they call dual class shares that make it extremely difficult to wrest control of the company, Twitter has a more traditional share structure. So at first glance, Twitter management appears to be overly matched should Elon Musk or his followers launch an activist campaign to get at least 50.01 of the shares and votes. Because if you do that and Musk gets it, you can control the whole darn company. You know, most shareholders don't vote. I know that my wife and I have stock portfolios. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you do. Uh, we get them in the mail. There's a vote. There's some things going on uh, in the corporation where you're a stockholder. I really don't vote. I really don't. Every once in a while, I might peruse what's going on, but I don't vote because I don't know who I'm voting for. But Musk, because he already owns 9.2%, that fellow's got an ace up his sleeve because that 9.2% equates to power to affect change. But the amount of change is really the issue. So now, like I said, the CEO offered Musk a seat on the Twitter board of directors. But after negotiating with them and after the restriction of the 15%, my speculation, but I think that Musk said, you know what, I'm not going in that direction. I don't know how much I can accomplish with trying to return a free speech model onto that platform. But you know what, here's what Musk probably understands better than most people. From a political perspective, Twitter is not only controversial, but very vulnerable to the world's richest people if they decide to launch an activist campaign against the company. So where Donald Trump may not have enough money to do it, you know, who could do something? Here's Dr. Ron's 30,000 foot view. So you look at Twitter as a moving force of influence. Stop looking at it as just a social media platform. Look at it as a moving force of influence, power, and control, but not only in the United States, but internationally. And if you follow the money, and I'm off to say this, follow the money, you're quickly going to begin to understand that for only a couple of hundred billion dollars, a mega billionaire like Musk, or on the dark side, an utterly corrupt cabal comprised of you know such entities and people such as China's Chin, Russia's Putin, George Soros, Jeff Bezos, those fellows have got enough wealth to literally purchase every big tech social media platform and every cable news network on the planet. Just think about that for a minute. Just consider how devastating it would be for these newly acquired social media platforms to spew out a lot of scripted, propaganda on a 24 second seven cycle 15 30 second sound bites 
little messages here and there across literally every social media platform, TV and radio channel in the world. Not all of them, but I'm just talking about the major ones. So if you consider how big tech and the mainstream media recently banded together to cancel out the news of Hunter Biden's laptop, and if you remember, the polls said that about 20% of the population, if they knew about Hunter Biden's laptop and what was on it, and the nexus between Hunter Biden and corruption and President Biden and members of his family, they would have not voted for Biden. Now, understanding that, consider how devastating President Biden's administration has changed the face of America, our economy. It's created rising inflation. It has severely weakened our global influence and how Biden's weakness has no doubt empowered people like Vladimir Putin. So Putin invades Ukraine. And that right now, what are we worried about? Perhaps a preclude to a new European war. People are already lining up on both sides. Look how the possible influence by social media, big tech, and the mainstream media in denying the information just on this one issue of the Biden laptop has changed the face of the United States and the political power paradigm across the globe. So let me also throw this in while you're chewing on things. Do you know who Twitter's major corporate shareholders are? Now, when we first started this conversation, I said, hey, we're going to talk about that. None other than the investment firms of Vanguard and Morgan Stanley. So Vanguard owns 10% of all of Twitter's stock and Morgan Stanley, a little bit less than Elon Musk with 8%. But if you take those two major investment conglomerates together, they comprise 18% or nearly 20% of all of the stock in Twitter. Now, many Americans, including my wife and I, have stock portfolios that include Vanguard and Morgan Stanley. I don't know because I haven't checked yet whether we own Twitter stock, but I doubt it. But so you might ask yourself, is there any other disconnect here? So I ask myself, being a capitalist, being an American patriot, why would financial institutions like Vanguard and Morgan Stanley, who one would think would be champions of free speech and capitalism and the empowerment of democracy rather than Marxism, rather than communism, rather than woke elitist leftist garbage, why would they not take an opportunity to see the direction that Twitter is going? in its denial of a free speech forum. Doesn't that also deny democracy? Isn't that also anti-democratic? And if it's anti-democratic, isn't it anti-capitalist? And isn't the purpose of these financial investment giants, isn't it all about the money and trying to make us all money, having good investments, trying to make us all money? Just, you know, kind of think about that. 
So why wouldn't those two major stock influencers try to influence? I bet you they even have people on the board of directors of Twitter. Why didn't they try? Why haven't they tried to return Twitter to a free speech model? Well, I've got absolutely no idea, but it certainly causes one to think. Let me end with this. Libertarian Elon Musk is currently considering a total buyout of Twitter. And what he wants to do is turn it into a private corporation. And I believe that he wants to reinstill the free speech model to that powerful social media platform. What do you think? Only time will tell. We'll take a minute to talk about what's going on and what I refer to as Biden's burn down better program with regards to the United States economy and inflation. You know, I'm old enough to remember the Jimmy Carter days and how that inflation and, and how the United States economy affected me personally at the time. As a matter of fact, things were so bad with the economy and the inflation was so high that I actually lost my first professional job. As, as a high school teacher at the time. And I never, ever forgot that. To me, what's going on with the Biden administration is like Jimmy Carter 2.0 only, where Jimmy Carter was basically a nice guy. I just thought he was a very naive and weak president. Where Biden is concerned, I think this is just malice. This guy knows better. Everybody in his organization knows better, but they keep doing the things that they are doing that are ultimately destroying our economy. Let's just talk about a few things. I know the first thing that makes everybody mad here with regard to inflation is the gas. Right now, as of this week, gas in the United States is up 48% from where it was a year ago. And even before that, it was so much lower under the Trump administration. And the reason why is because Trump did a couple of things. He made us energy independent. He allowed the uh, Keystone Pipeline and other pipelines to open up. He encouraged the open up of federal lease properties where gas and oils and fossil fuels. He okayed the exploration for oil and energy up in Anwar, he stopped taking oil from people that don't really like us and our adversaries, such as OPEC and Venezuela and Russia. And now look what we've got. This is a direct result of Biden's energy policy. And he has even said so, getting rid of all fossil fuels. Let's move very quickly. Electricity, up 11.2%. Here's something that hits us every single week. Meat, poultry, fish, up almost 14%. Here's something that, that bothers a lot of people. It bothers me. It bothers my wife because we travel nationally, internationally. Airline fares up 24%. We just booked some airline tickets uh, to Mexico, and it cost us this time around Twice as much as what it's normally cost us. You drink coffee, so do I, up 11.2%. Used cars, 
up 35%. My God, that used to be something that everybody looked forward to if you could afford it, and that was a used car. New cars, absolutely ridiculous. I just drove by a, a car lot just the other day, and I'm looking at the signs on pickup trucks because I live on a ranch. You're going to pay $75,000 for a bells and whistle, you know, Ford or Chevy pickup truck. You got to be kidding me. Milk up 13.3%. The United States worker, the average guy, the person, the gal out in the flyover states, blue collar workers cannot afford that. You know, the Biden administration is famous for saying, well, we increased wages. We increased wages. Well, no, not really, because every time you see these in, in inflation numbers, that just destroyed whatever wage increase you got. So the wage increases cost, you know, caused the prices of everything to go up. When did you think you were ever going to go to McDonald's and, and get a quarter pounder meal and it was going to cost you 10 bucks? That's what it costs you now. And then with that worker that you paid $15 an hour, look at how the inflation sucked all of that out. Look at the people that are on fixed incomes. They can't make any more money. They're retired. They're on fixed incomes. And now the inflation rate just sucked any possible savings that they could have achieved in their retirements. They sucked it right out the window. So just think about how the burn back better Biden policies have negatively impacted the United States of America. I think that ties right into what we were saying with regards to social media giants and Twitter and the mainstream media denying the whole Hunter Biden laptop and creating a brand new woke progressive left president. And how has that worked out for us? Let's take a minute and pause for a sponsor, and I'll be right back. People often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best. Freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America out loud. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. You've been in that situation. The person next to you is sniffling or worse yet, <clears throat> coughing. Flu, cold, and coronaviruses are everywhere. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to reduce these threats with an invisible mask as an additional layer of protection? Sold by hundreds of pharmacists and medical doctors, our American-made povidone iodine antiviral nasal spray, Cofix RX, lasts for hours deactivating viruses and germs while protecting you from airborne pathogens that make us sick. America Out Loud listeners get 20% off. Use Cofix RX while in large groups, while traveling, or for any other type of high-risk situation as an additional layer of protection. To help reduce your likelihood of catching a cold, the flu, or SARS-CoV-2 viruses. Right now, America Out Loud listeners get 20% off of all orders. Click our banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. I'm your host in place of the wonderful Malcolm Out Loud. I am Dr. Ron Martinelli, Dr. Ron 
forensic criminologist, death investigator, and law enforcement expert. You know, I want to talk about one of my favorite topics, definitely in my lane, and something that people are used to hearing me speak about nationally and even internationally, and that is crime in America and our criminal justice system. And because I'm a forensic criminologist, a criminal scientist, I really deal with the cause and effect issues. So instead of getting into the woke rhetoric and the, you know, the vague and ambiguous blame game, I can tell you, because what I do across the United States nationally is myself and my forensic death investigations team take on the complex and high profile cases that many of which you've heard about and you watch on television. Just a few of the cases that I've worked, I, I tell you what, my, my first case uh, with the United States uh, Department of Justice was, was Rodney King. I've worked on uh, forensic analysis, either uh, for governmental agencies or for civil rights uh, attorneys or for police agencies, cities and municipalities, such cases as uh, Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman, self-defense shooting civilian. I've worked on the hands up, don't shoot uh, Michael Brown case. I've worked on uh, the Tamir Rice case. I've worked on Freddie Gray. Uh, most recently, the case of George Floyd. As a matter of fact, just two weeks ago, I was up in Minneapolis, ground zero in the George Floyd case, and I was being interviewed by Candace Owens of the Ben Shapiro Network. So these are cases that I'm well familiar with, but the cause and effect factors are really my bread and butter. So let's just talk about what is going on in the United States with regards to law enforcement. Uh, by the way, I spent 25 years on the job in law enforcement, even directed a, uh, a police academy out in California. And so I talk with law enforcement officials all across the United States. I speak with judges. I speak with district attorneys. And of course, I even interview activists. Because of groups like the Marxist militant Black Lives Matter organization, which I find to be a totally fraudulent organization. And you're seeing a lot of stuff come down right now about the BLM. Uh, right now, they're being investigated by the uh, IRS. They are being investigated by various states. Uh, the three founding members, Patrice Kalours, Opal Tamati, uh, Alicia Garcia, uh, all avowed Marxists. Some of those people are in some serious trouble, especially for Patrice Kalours. But let me tell you what has happened, especially since 2014. Now, the Black Lives Matter group started uh, after uh, chapter one in my book, the Black Lives Matter book, where I analyzed the Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman case, the self-defense shooting case. At that time, Patrice Kalours came out uh, with a slogan and I don't remember whether it was on uh, Twitter. I think it was actually on her Facebook account. And she's the person, I believe, that coined the term Black Lives Matter. Because of that, that group has evolved. And a huge explosion of the group took place after the shooting of Michael Brown by Officer Darren Wilson out in uh, Ferguson, Missouri. So as a result of that, the group grew exponentially. We've had a lot of riots. Uh, we've had a lot of businesses burned down, especially black businesses. Uh, hundreds of people have been injured. A number of people have been killed during these riots. 
It's been absolutely atrocious. But the Black Lives Matter organization began a sophisticated media-driven program I refer to as the four Ds. And the four Ds stand for disenfranchise, distance, defund, and dissolve law enforcement. So the objective of the organization in, in one of their programs called Campaign Zero involves those four components. The first two is to disenfranchise and distance the law enforcement community from its own community, the community of citizens, and create a tremendous amount of distrust and skepticism, especially within communities of color. So disenfranchise and distance. The next thing, which has become extremely popular, was defund. You see this all the time in uh, protests. You see uh, people on the squad, such as uh, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Ohan uh, Ilmar, Ohan, Ohan Ilmar, uh, give, give out uh, speeches where they constantly talk about defunding the police. Lori Lightfoot, when she ran for the mayor of Chicago, I'm going to talk about her in a minute, uh, talk about uh, defunding the police as a central part of her platform when she was running for mayor of the city of Chicago. And then finally, dissolve. That means get rid of law enforcement. Once you defund them, you try to dissolve them, remove them from special programs that are crime-fighting programs, such as stop and frisk and uh, broken windows and, and, and things like this. Those programs have worked very successfully in reducing the significantly the public's impression of law enforcement. It's caused a lot of officers to retire prematurely, uh, walk away from the job, officers that would stay longer than 20 years. As soon as they get their 20 in, they're gone. A lot of officers go out on disability now and the ranks of officers are not growing. They've been significantly reduced. The next thing that has happened to destroy our criminal justice system and our policing is that George Soros, who I write about, I devote an entire chapter in my Black Lives Matter book to George Soros because I want you to follow the money. George Soros, who has funded millions of dollars in the Black Lives Matter movement, is now funding millions of dollars into an organization referred to as the Progressive Alliance. What is the Progressive Alliance? These are district attorneys across the countries that are funded by the George Soros organizations, such as Open Society, a more covert Black uh, money organization out of Sausalito, California, referred to as the Tides Foundations, and sub-organizations that are uh, getting money donated from Open Society and Tides Foundations. These progressive alliance district attorneys are strategically placed primarily in major urban cities in the United States of America. So some of the ones that we hear about a lot on uh, national news, especially if, if you watch Fox News or One American News or The Blaze or Ben Shapiro's network or uh, George Gascon down in Los Angeles and the district attorney up in San Francisco, uh, one up in Austin, Texas, and I'm based out of Texas. Uh, another tech, uh, another uh, progressive alliance uh, district attorneys are in Harris County where Houston is, one's in Dallas County uh, where obviously Dallas is. Progressive Alliance 
district attorneys. There's one in New York City in the borough in, in, in the Bronx, who's who's pretty famous out there. And what these attorneys do are they are the ones that uh, are involved in the zero bail. And we're not going to prosecute uh, what they refer to as minor crimes and, you know, things like letting people out, uh, fostering legislation and empowering legislation. Like in California, you got Proposition 49, Proposition 109, Proposition 57, all which have either created zero bail uh, for violent offenders or let tens of thousands of violent offenders out on the street. Concurrent with that, we have what's called the resistance movement, the resistance against police movement. Listen, I have investigated literally hundreds of officer-involved shootings, the majority of which are fatal shootings. I have yet to find one single case, no matter what side I'm on, one single case where there was not predicate resistance on the part of the individual who was subsequently shot and killed or shot and wounded by police. A huge false narrative by Black Lives Matter, by members of the squad, and by activists, politicians, is that an inordinate amount of people of color, specifically Blacks, are shot and killed by law enforcement. We're going to talk about that in depth in just a minute. But let's continue on and talk about another severe impact of the resist movement and the things that BLM and the squad and progressive leftist activists that are anti-law enforcement have created. And that is astronomical rises in the number of police officers that are shot and or killed in the line of duty. The FBI statistics and also statistics from the National Fraternal Order of Police document conclusively that in 2021, we had 101 police officers shot in the line of duty, and that was a 43% increase over 2021. But it was a 63% increase over the previous year, we have an astronomical increase in officers being shot and killed in the line of duty this year and last year in 2020. Astronomical, an astronomical percentage of officers that are shot and killed in ambush. This decimates the morale of law enforcement and creates an even greater gap because people just don't want to get into law enforcement. But let's kind of go back over this huge false narrative about police officers shooting and killing an inordinate number of people of color and black citizens and how false this narrative is. One of my favorite urban cities that I like to draw statistics from because I have a lot of cases up in this area of the Midwest is the city of Chicago. Now, don't forget the city of Chicago, the chief official there is Mayor Lori Lightfoot. So here are some statistics for 2022 as of this week. And I'll point this out to you. In the city of Chicago, so far, 
This year, in 2022, 144 people shot and killed and 600 people shot and wounded. 94% of all of these victims were people of color. 77% were black and 17% were Hispanic. And what's interesting to note is that nearly all of the suspects who shot and either killed or wounded these victims were themselves people of color. A sad statistic out of the city of Chicago is that the vast majority of the victims were between 16 and 35 years old. Want to know how many? 75%. So let's forensically reconcile the false narratives about law enforcement officer encounters with people of color as offered by the BLM and all those people we just talked about. In the city of Chicago to date, police have only shot and killed one armed suspect. And they've only shot and wounded three people. That's right. So far this year, only one person shot and killed and only three people wounded. Now, using the gun violence statistics that I just gave you, so far this year in the city of Chicago, I hope you're sitting down, people have of color have shot and killed 144 times more people of color than police. Not 140 percent, 140 times more people of color. And people of color in the city of Chicago have shot and wounded 200 times more people of color than the police. 200 times, not 200%, 200 times. And this is a historic problem in the city of Chicago. Let me go over this really quickly for you. In 2021, the city of Chicago had an amazing 600 and I'm sorry. Let me go over this statistic for you. In 2021, the city of Chicago experienced 769 People shot and killed with a whopping, hold on, 3,746 people shot and wounded. Just like this year, last year, 95% of those people were people of color. 80% of those people in 2021 that were shot and killed or shot and wounded were under the age of 35. Let's look at the police statistics. Police in Chicago last year, in the whole year, only shot and killed nine people and only wounded 13. People of color last year in 2021 shot and killed 85 times more people of color than the police did, and they shot and wounded 288 times more people of color than the police. So how does that stand up? to the false narrative that law enforcement officers shoot and kill, suit, shoot and wound a disordinate number of people of color. It just doesn't. The problem that we talk about, it's been my theme today through social media, through the mainstream media, is that the rhetoric is false. It's the 15 and 30 second soundbite and uninformed, naive people just lap it up, drink it like Kool-Aid, and then spew it out again, and there is no truth behind it.
The criminal justice system is in a shambles. This is not racial based. We are talking about race here because we are reconciling it because it is a false narrative. Race is a false narrative. What we need to be looking at is behavior. I'm a behaviorist. This is not racial, it's behavioral. And so when people try to present these false narratives through the prism of color, you remember what Dr. Ron told you about the real vetted statistics. The real vetted statistics do not support the false narratives. Now, let's talk a little bit about America Out Loud. First of all, I want to thank Malcolm Out Loud for uh, giving me this wonderful opportunity uh, to come in and, and, and spend a morning with you. I certainly appreciate that. But I want to tell you something about America Out Loud. It is a wonderful news media platform full of amazing journalists, amazing experts, and amazing talk show hosts. You can even catch my wife, Linda Martinelli, and I on Talking While Married, that comes on Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And I hope you'll take time to catch my lovely wife's amazing program, Ladies of Liberty, Sound Off. And I believe that comes on at one o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time. That's America Out Loud. Get us on podcast, get us on Apple, get us on Spotify, get us on iTunes, but get us. Thanks very much for allowing me to spend an hour of your morning. God bless you all.